Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. You're listening to the Circe Podcast Network. I'm Joshua Gibbs, and this is Proverbial, the podcast where we explore the wisdom of the ages as it comes to us in Proverbs, by which I mean wise sayings a man may live by, if he's not so arrogant as to think himself special. Episode 121, Nothing to be Scared of. Today's proverb comes from St. Paul. I'll read it twice. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Once more. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. I honestly don't remember if I have done a show on this proverb before. I find myself thinking and writing and saying over and over again while in the classroom, no discipline seems pleasant at the time. Anytime I ask my students to do something difficult and they complain, I say, well, no discipline seems pleasant at the time. It's a proverb. It's a saying that's been on my mind for years. And I swear, I've, if I haven't done a show on this proverb, I've at least brought it up in half a dozen shows. I'm always thinking about this. I'm, I've always kind of got this proverb on my mind. Maybe there's something like that for you as well. There's some song, some book that's always sort of on your mind. If someone brought it up in conversation, you could honestly say, I I was just thinking about that the other day. Even though 
He never sat down and committed a solid 20 minutes just to mulling something over. It seems fair to say, I was just thinking about that the other day, because it's always there. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. This is one of those things that I'm, I was just thinking about the other day. I'm always kind of thinking about this. I'd say it's been true for a few years now. I know that I've spoken to this proverb before because I whine about sentimentalism all the time. And this is one of the great anti-sentimentalist quotes of all time. I know I've leveraged this proverb to complain about sentimentality. I'm always thinking about it. I've been thinking about it a lot, even more than usual this past week, though, because I've been teaching the Divine Comedy. It's almost always the case that I've recently been teaching the Divine Comedy, too. Specifically, I was moving through the Purgatorio, though. I taught the comedy for years without really understanding the Purgatorio. I don't say that my understanding of the Purgatorio has changed significantly in the last two or three years, maybe. There are only two gates that Dante passes through. Gates of hell, gates of purgatory. There's no pearly gates. As a matter of fact, the Paradiso is curiously bereft of rather conventional images of heaven used in scripture. And so because there's only two gates that Dante passes through, for years I said, well, it's fair to say that the gates of purgatory are the gates of heaven. And I don't necessarily need to take that back or want to take that back, but I do need to give a closer explanation of what I mean when I say the gates of purgatory are the gates of heaven. The gates of purgatory are the gates of the church. And I do think that it's necessary to distinguish between the church militant and the church triumphant. And the gates of purgatory are the entrance into the church militant. They are not entrance into the church triumphant. They are not entrance into heaven proper, the throne room of God. That's not what the gates of purgatory are. Purgatory is the church. Purgatory is a place where the sick go to be made healthy. And that's what a church is. Which is to say that a church is a place of discipline. If you want to be made well, there will be medicine, but there will be other things too. Habits. Things that you must give up. Any sort of wellness involves both taking medicine, but also giving up on the things that made you sick in the first place. And there's even some quote from Hippocrates who says, before you heal someone, you've got to know whether they're willing to give up the things that made them sick in the first place. So Dante arrives at the gates of purgatory. Well, uh, before we get there, I want to say that there's also this curious encounter in the first canto of the purgatory, 
and I swear this all goes back to St. Paul's claim, no discipline is pleasant at the time, but he shows up on the gates or on the beach, which is purgatory. Purgatory is a mountain, purgatory is also an island. He's on the beach and Dante has lost his belt. He loses his belt in the Inferno. His belt is used to hitch a ride, really, to summon a beast that Dante and Virgil can ride around on to take them to places they can't make it on foot. And so he needs a new belt. And he is instructed on the beach of Purgatory to go down near the water and to pluck out a reed and to bind this reed around his waist. And it's Cato who instructs him to do this, uh, who's a guide on the beach of Purgatory, directing souls as they come in uh, on their progress toward the mountain. He says, go down and pluck out a reed, wear it for a belt. And he makes this little passing comment about the reeds. He says, the only things that grow on Purgatory are things that are pliable. That's not his word, it's a paraphrase, but only pliable things grow here. And the sort of plants that turn brittle when dried have no place here. The only things that grow are pliable, and what is true of the plants is true of people as well. The only sort of people that grow on purgatory, the only sort of people that progress are people that are pliable, flexible. If you show up assuming that you have already reached your final form, there is no help for you. Purgatory is a place where the sick go to be made well. It's a church. That's what a church is for, too. That's what a school is for, as well. A school is more like a hospital than anything. A school is rehab. Prospective parents who say things like, my son is very smart, not impressive. It's a little like taking your son to the doctor and telling the doctor, my son is very healthy. Well, what'd you bring him to me for? If your son's healthy, keep doing whatever you were doing before. The physician exists for the sick, not for people who are well. That's what a school's for. School's for the ignorant. School's for people that don't have wisdom. I would be far more impressed with parents who, prospective parents who brought their kids to school and said, my kid's an idiot. Can you help him? What can you do for my son? He desperately needs wisdom. He desperately needs good taste. What can you do for him? Save him, please. I'm far more hopeful for my relationship as a teacher to such a student than for someone who is already very smart. I don't know what to do with someone who's very smart. Why does someone who's very smart need me? Right? Same is true for the kid who's very healthy. If you take a very healthy kid to the doctor and the doctor tells you, you need to do this and that and the other thing. If you think your kid is very healthy, why would you do any of those things? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Keep doing whatever you're doing. Imagine somebody coming to your church and saying, I want to join your church. 
Someone says, why? Well, because I'm a really good person. And I hope if anyone shows up at a church and says, I'm a really good person, you turn them away. This is not a place for really good people. This is a place for people who want to become really good people and can admit they're not. School is a place for people who want wisdom. That's what the role of the student is. The student desires wisdom. He seeks after wisdom. He doesn't have it. If he has it, then he's the teacher. Anyone who has wisdom is the teacher. Put them in charge. We'll imitate them. School's a place for needy people. A hospital's a place for needy people. A church is a place for needy people. Now, it's, it's a place for people who acknowledge their need and are willing to do something about it, right? Because it's not enough to know you're sick. You have to also want to be made well and to do the things, to be willing to do the things that will make you better. And so when Dante approaches the gates of purgatory, the angel that guards the gate says, what do you want? What do you want? Beware, you may regret coming here. Which is something that we ought to tell people when they show up at a church. What do you want? Be honest, what do you want? If all you want is community and friendship and affirmation, you don't need a church. There are plenty of places that'll give you that. 4-H will do that. A Bruce Springsteen fan club will do that. Companionship, community, you don't need a church for that. What do you want? Do you want to be made well? Well, that's something that only a church can provide. What do you want from a school? If what you want from a school is a place, is a platform for expressing yourself, you need an Instagram account, not a student account at a school. What do you want? Why have you come here? I want to ask that to everybody who sends their kids to a classical school before they send them. What do you want? Do you want something that only we can give you? Or do you want something that anybody else out there, anybody else in town could give you? And is your choice of this school somewhat arbitrary? Is it based merely on externals? Have you chosen a church based on the building? Do you want a cathedral or do you want salvation? Do you want something that looks good on a college application or do you want wisdom? In order to be healed, you have to want to be healed. You have to know you're sick and want to be made better and to, and to be willing to do the things that make you better. If you want to become wise, you have to know you're stupid. You have to want to be wise and you have to be willing to do the things that make you wise. You have to be honest with the people who are trying to heal you. People lie to doctors all the time. People lie to teachers all the time. I'm willing to bet people lie to plumbers all the time. I have lied to plumbers. I have lied to plumbers before. 
What? I would never pour hot grease down a drain. <laughs> Everyone knows that's stupid. I have lied to plumbers before. Because I am not that smart. See the world the way that traffic cops do, just for a moment. See the world as that highway patrolman lurking in the median, scouting out speeders. Everyone gets in line the second they see you. All day, every day, people throwing on the brakes as soon as they see you. As though to say, what? No, I wasn't going 80. This is my real speed. Whatever I was doing 100 yards back, <laughs> that's not the real me. These are the police. They're trying to keep you safe. They're trying to keep the people around you safe. You want to be seen going the speed limit when you're around them, and everyone breaks the speed limit as soon as they're gone. People probably lie to priests, too. There are times when I get to an end of my confession, and the last thing I say is something like, I have phrased all of this, I am sure, to make it sound way less bad than it actually is. However bad this sounds, it's ten times worse. People lie to doctors. I know people lie to doctors because I've lied to doctors. I'm most people. I will say that I used to lie to doctors more than I do. Now. Doctors are easy to lie to doctors. You want to be taken seriously, right? You go into the doctor's office, and it's a struggle to be taken seriously at a doctor's office, right? To find a doctor that takes you seriously. And you want to be taken seriously. You want the doctor to believe that you really care about your health. How often do you exercise? Oh, almost every day. Do you smoke? Do you drink? How much do you drink? How many drinks per week? Now, the range that you get there is wildly unfair. Let's all admit it. What are the options for how many, how many drinks do you have a week? Zero, one to two, two to 60. Like that, it's something like that. There's a, a thousand genders in the world and only four options for how much do you drink every week. I'm willing to bet that there's some sort of rule of thumb among doctors. If any doctor is listening to this show, and you can confirm this for me, I would love to hear it. I bet there's some sort of rule of thumb among doctors. Where you take the number of times people claim to exercise and divide it by three for the actual answer. Is there, is that true? Like, if someone claims that they work out three times a week, do you just assume it's once? And is there, is there like a multiplier for determining the actual volume of liquor that people drink? Somebody confirm this for me. Like, if so, Do you just take the number of drinks somebody says they have every week and multiply it by three? I, I bet there is. If I was a doctor, that's what I would do. Somebody tells you, how many drinks do you have per week? Uh, two. Okay, so six. <laughs> Maybe it's four. I don't know. I'm, I'm, in, I'm curious. Do any doctors listen to the show? Love to hear this. 
I do the same thing with like garlic in a recipe. <laughs> like I look at how much garlic's called for. I'm like, eh, three times that much. It's stupid though to lie to people who are trying to save you. <laughs> think about this for a second. Why would you lie to somebody who's trying to save you? What are you there for? If you're going to lie to the people who are trying to save you, what are you there for? What do you want? Why go? If the doctor tells you that you're fine based on your own false report, how can you take any comfort in that? No discipline seems pleasant. It's interesting. No discipline seems pleasant at the time. That's what St. Paul says. No discipline seems pleasant. No discipline feels pleasant, right? Discipline isn't sensual. Discipline is spiritual. Discipline is spiritual formation by way of the body. Body and soul are connected. You can force your body to do things. That's what discipline is. Discipline is forcing your body to do things. But the net result of forcing your body to do things is a harvest of righteousness, which is a spiritual quality. Now, people try to force their souls to do things. And I think that like extremely pious human beings are capable of forcing their souls to do things. I do think that's possible. I think it's extremely rare, though. There are stories in Eusebius' ecclesiastical history of martyrs, people regarded as martyrs, on their way to the Colosseum who yielded up their souls en route. They did not do violence to themselves. They did not harm themselves. They did not commit suicide. But they were spiritually strong enough to simply will the separation of body and soul. This is what Christ does on the cross. Christ's life is not physically stripped from him. He gives it up willingly. This is a very important Christian doctrine. Christ yields up his spirit, and then his head comes down to rest. This has always been taken by theologians to be a sign that Christ yielded up his spirit. Literally, he gave up his spirit like an object in his hand that he handed to God. Very few people have this sort of self-control. Almost everybody is stuck with changing the spirit, finessing the spirit by way of the body. Most people are not going to yield their soul to God apart from the physical destruction of their bodily health. Virtue is spiritual. Discipline is physical. Virtue is spiritual. Physical suffering is simply the raw material that we use to make virtue. Physical suffering is the raw material we convert into virtue. In the same way you acquire some wood and make a desk out of it, you acquire some suffering and make virtue out of it. 
the more suffering, the more virtue you can make of it. The more wood, the more desks you can make. The more suffering, the more virtue you can make. That's why we remember the martyrs. That's why we're impressed with people like Corey Ten Boom. She suffered greatly and she didn't justify herself or excuse herself or pity herself or become embittered against God. A lot of suffering, a lot of virtue. If you are trained by your suffering, if you are trained by our discipline, this is that, this is the catch to it all. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Which means that you have to yield to it. That's what training is. Pain will not train you if you resist it. And if you complain about it. And if you justify yourself against your pain. To be trained by painful discipline. That's what produces righteousness. Harvest of righteousness and peace. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who are flexible, for those who are pliable, for those who yield to it. For those who say alongside Job, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.